We've just finished up four weeks talking about trust, mm-hmm. uh, defining it, broken trust, repairing trust, maintaining trust, all of the trust things. And now we are going to address some of the questions that you guys have sent in over that time uh, that we've been discussing it. And we're excited yeah. to kind of dive into those. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of questions, a lot of a few themes that we're going to uh, kind of zero in on today. And um, yeah, with that said, we'll just see you on the other side. <laughs> Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. All right, so today, like you said, um, it's a culmination of our series on trust and betrayal and trustworthiness. And really, we looked at what what does it look like, what does trust look like in a gospel-centered, Christ-centered marriage? So just a really quick overview. If you haven't listened to these episodes, go back, start with episode 212. Um, that's on the cruciform trust or defining trust. And so we talked about that our ultimate trust belongs to God. He is God, we are not. We can't expect our spouse to do things and be things that God is and God does. Only God does. That only God does. Uh, but we can trust, we do need to have some level of trust in our marriage, and that's the the horizontal part of the cruciform shape. We talked about that in detail, so go back, check out 212. Uh, the next week after that, we talked about broken trust. So um, the scenario that you've just, you've just experienced a betrayal or some realization, again, Trust isn't just about infidelity, having an affair, and you know, breaking trust in that way. Right. There's various other ways that we break trust day to day. Yeah, and it could be in how we are not kind to one another. And so I stop trusting you to deal kindly with me when right. I bring something hard to you or something difficult to you, uh, or, you know... You just fly off the handle if I tell you right. anything that you don't want to hear, and so therefore I don't trust you to have a conversation with me about certain mm-hmm. things. Or, if, you know, we talked about, and we used our, our own marriage, as we often do, as an example of <laughs> mistakes. That's <laughs> um, a good example. Good, good example of mistakes, yeah, yes. to be clear. Uh, where you could say, you know, maybe I don't trust you um, with my kind of advances right when i'm feeling the vibe sexually speaking because oh, when you're trying to put out the vibe when i'm putting out the vibe and you're not picking up what i'm putting down <laughs> and so like you kind of you can lose trust right. in that right. and so we talked through that that was the second week the third week we talked about repairing trust and kind of getting on on the right path toward repair and then finally last week we talked about uh or this week rather we talked about maintaining so that would have been two days ago um maintaining trust or repairing trust so you've You've come out of this kind of hardship. Now you're actually um, moving forward and having habits and rhythms that are building and maintaining trust. And so we talked about inspecting, assessing, repairing, and maintaining, and or fixing, or actually repairing and maintaining. So um, check those out. I trust you'll find those useful (laughs) as you learn about trust if you haven't yet. So today we're actually going to be addressing questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've gotten, I'll, I'll say, hundreds of questions. Um, and they do have some themes. And so we're going to address some of those themes. We're going to start with questions from our patrons, which actually brings me to our housekeeping piece. Uh, we have um, all the support for this podcast comes from uh, people like you, listeners like you. Uh, and I think that's a biblical model. That's why we stick to that. We don't have ads. But largely, we did like one month, I think, where we had some ads. And I didn't really like it. I thought it was helpful, it was useful. But still, I just said, you know what? We want to be supported by the people that we're ministering to. If you've benefited from this, then it's biblical to say, um, to consider supporting us. Um, God has been faithful. All of our needs are met. Uh, we just It's been such a joy to work with our listeners. So if you want to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash fierce marriage. There's all kinds of benefits of being there. One of the benefits is that we are going to address some of the patron questions uh, first. Um, and that's not to put preference. It is putting preference on them, I guess. <laughs> but I don't think it's it's not the it's not. It's just a patron perk. Patron perk. There it is. Um, and it's it's there's equal love around. But uh, anyway, okay. So let's start with that, that. Okay. So here's the first question that we got from a patron. Um, and this uh, this one comes from uh, Rebecca. It says, "How do I know my spouse is knowing they want to build trust? Is showing? Excuse me. Is showing they want to build trust? What does this look like? If they want to start, what should they?" 
do to get there? So how do like I you know? Again for all you do. How do I know my spouse is showing they want to build trust? Yeah. What does that look like if they want to start? What should they do to get there? Hmm. That's interesting because that does actually, um, the, the, even the way that question is asked, I think shows that there's maybe um, there's other kind of areas of like how do I actually trust that they are wanting to rebuild trust and that's right you're, you're it's a it's a question of definition so how do i how do i know how can i what are the things that will define um this to me that my spouse hmm. is building trust and that they want to build trust what are those markers yeah. what are those things that um yeah we can look at together and discuss and say okay this is what this looks like what would you say how do i know that you're wanting to build trust yeah um i think there's definitely got to be some acknowledgement like in the moment and so hey i know that we've struggled with this in the past uh, an opportunity is coming for me to relapse or fall back into this way of not trust not building trust i want you to know that this is happening and i want you i want us to work together so that we can be successful in this op- this Wait, whatever's presenting itself so you're saying that the the spouse who's seeking to rebuild trust needs to kind of keep that at the forefront of their conversation of the consciousness of their yes marriage in the moment yeah okay what moment so okay i guess just an example uh out of the air is you know you're going on a work trip and i you have struggled with pornography this is theoretically because you work from home so there's (laughs) that doesn't actually pan out although i still have the same accountability to be honest yes yes so you're going away or you're you're going away on a work trip um in the past you have struggled with pornography we've just walked out of this uh, you've, you know, we've, we've gone through all these steps to rebuild trust. Mm-hmm. I know that this work trip's coming. You know that this work trip's coming. You would be the one, I think, whoever's broken the trust yeah. to bring it up and say, hey, this yeah. is coming. So I'm, I'm going to, okay. let's acknowledge this. Yeah. I'm showing um, you that I want to, mm-hmm. that I see what's happening. I want to be in partnership with you on being successful and not failing at this again. Yeah. Because the converse could, would be, or maybe... We're the just, other way to, it would just be like, yeah, we're just going to ignore it and I'm going to go on my work trip and you're just going to hope that I don't. Or you'll ask me when I get back. Like there's other, you can acknowledge the things in the moment yeah. and that shows that mm. you are aware, you're conscious, your yeah. desire is to build trust uh, and to bring light, right? To be transparent in those moments, I think yeah. is, is just saying this is where we're at and, and saying that is not like meta. It's, it's saying it and acknowledging <laughs> it to build trust. Thank you for saying that. That is not meta. Uh, I love that. You're it's, welcome. You can, you can talk about the elephant in the room is what you're saying and do it. You should. And you should. Talk about the but elephant here's the room. thing I want to encourage and we'll move on to the next question. Graciously. Yeah. I want to encourage if, if you're the one that broke the trust and you should be the one to initiate this, don't expect your spouse to be policing you right? It's biblical for you to repent or just, if you want to build trust, go to that, go to the next level and say, listen, I get it. This is, you're probably nervous about this here, here, let's talk about it. Here are the things I'm doing to, uh, to stay on the straight and narrow in this area. Here's, here's what I'm going to rebuild trust with you. And I want you just to, to, I know that it's hard for you to, to trust me in this, but I'm going to show you. Right. And so that's a biblical concept is that there should be fruit all right. right. There and there should be, be graciousness on the response as well. Yeah, because if you expect your spouse now to be perfect in, in that trust, and, and the second that your spouse uh, makes a mistake, uh, you're holding them to an unrealistic standard because well, they're still, they're not perfect right. people. That and, okay, well, you said this, so like having that sort of yeah. okay. uh, prideful, self-righteous orientation, you, there's got to be graciousness yeah. on either side of... And I would, yes. I know that's a hard thing to do, but, okay. but yeah. I still think it's a call... Call of duty for, yeah, for, from us as Christians that we are supposed to forgive seventy times seven and keep trying to like work through that. Not saying it's easy, and not yeah. saying that you have an excuse to not do it. I'm saying that we need to come to the table authentically and hundred percent, and not just part partially and with an attitude. Okay, um, I feel like you have a you have an axe to grind with with the attitudes, but well, because I think it's so easy for us to step into to that, be self righteous, well, and to be blaming and to not, um, I don't know, just be gracious in those moments. Those are moments that the Holy Spirit can use yeah. to bring healing. So okay, 
I would add this last thing. Sorry, we're spending a lot of time on this first question. We're going to go through the next questions much, much more quickly. Um, but I would just add that you don't don't um, make that point of t- building trust kind of the last stop on the on the temptation and the sin, right? Mm. So, like for instance, the, we'll use the pornography example. A husband's struggling looking at pornography. Listen, if you're like, if your only line of defense is just saying like, I'm not going to go to those websites. That's that's like the absolute last step in the temptation fight. Like if you go to the website, you've already lost. Right. Right. Instead, put your move the trust boundary all the way to like, um, I'm not going to be on my computer after alone six p.m. Right. Yeah. Or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a browser on my on my phone. Yeah. Or I'm gonna I'm not gonna have a smartphone. Like that's moving. That's actually moving in the right direction because if you don't have a smartphone, like good luck going right. to a website. Well, and when telling you're... and telling your spouse and and not just telling but sharing in that process. That's what mm-hmm. helps build trust. Saying, let's move this back. Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. Help me initiate this. Like these are the things that we've talked about. Wh- what it looks like to rebuild trust. So let's do this together. Good, um, good. Uh, the next question from Hannah, it is, is it unloving or unbiblical to take on the lion's share of duties, household or otherwise, if you cannot trust your spouse to follow through? How can you believe and hope for the best while also approaching the situation realistically? Mm, that's tough. Mm-hmm. So you've got, I'm picturing, um, and we pick on husbands a lot, so we'll just keep that trend going here. <laughs> we love husbands. I'm, pic- I'm picturing a husband who maybe is, um, you know, for whatever reason, is not stable and providing um for the for his family mm-hmm. that could be financially it could be you know husbands provide in many ways right emotionally spiritually and so you get a wife who's uh got you, you, you largely kind of the the one rearing up the children is that the right term sure. child rearing yeah. um and, and in charge of the household and there's realizing like listen i can't count on him for x y and z so i'm going to do x y and z and what i hear this this uh person asking is it unloving or unbiblical to do that um, and I would say, I don't, I don't know that there would be a biblical case, um, for like letting your, well, it's a question spouse. of enabling. I think it's really a question of, um, no, I think she's want, not wanting to usurp, um, okay. a role sure. or a responsibility or a duty that belongs to a husband. Sure. Um, no, I don't, I don't think that there's anything unloving or unbiblical for doing that. I think you can also in parallel with that, you can say, like, don't just do it and be like, I'm taking care of this because you dropped the ball once again. Right. But instead saying, listen, I'm going to take on this responsibility because this has been a challenge. And I, like, let's talk about why it's been a challenge. And let's and work towards. Let's work toward wholeness in this area. Yes. For now, just know that we're a team and I'm, I'm carrying a lot more of the burden. Right. And let's work towards, you know, maybe evening these out and working into, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, you being able to take on these responsibilities as trust is being built, as you're able to follow through with with things, and we get into a stronger place, because I think mm-hmm. there's just it's a it's a question of seasons, yeah. um, having a beginning and an end, and a plan in between, right? Yeah. So I feel like that answers the second part, which is uh, believing and hoping for the best while also approaching the situation realistically. Right. And that was how do you do it in those ways? So hopefully that's helpful, Hannah. Um, Here is another question from a patron. This will be our last patron questions from Christopher. Uh, So big trust breaches have elements that are easier. um, Parentheses. I'm not saying they're easier overall by any means, um, but big trust breaches have elements that are easier since they are identifiable and often have clear action to point to. In other words, if there's a big kind of um, betrayal or something, you could say, well, clearly that betrayal happened. Now here's a big action to repent and to, you know, get through that. This is the second part of Christopher's question. It says on the more subtle things, like I just feel like you dot, 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 where both parties clearly have very different perspectives, whether trust was broken could be debated. And there isn't a clear issue to point to. How have you personally found success in navigating as a married couple? Okay. So I don't know if I understand the question. (laughs) Well, it's the, he's asking about the more, the the non-catastrophic kind of habitual, I just feel like loss of trust. Okay. Like, I I feel like you don't understand me or I feel like you, um, you you know, like you're 10, I mean, everything we talked about in terms of, um, like intimacy, in terms of communication, like feeling close. I think a lot of these issues come up when you talk about, um, the vulnerability that you, you offer over to your spouse and that vulnerability is mishandled. Mm, okay. That's usually where that's going to come down to. Right. At least that's what I think Christopher is asking about. Um, so how have we found success in navigating 
those issues. Well, I will say this. We've had some success and a lot of failure. Mm-hmm. And the, thankfully, by God's grace, the little successes tend to compound and the failures tend to just kind of slough off. Mm-hmm. So when you grow, you grow it, typically in these ways, you grow in a way that's lasting. When you fail, you fail in a way that's a little bit more fleeting when it sure. comes to this kind of stuff. Sure. So we found, um, and I'll just answer it for us, I guess. I'm thinking still, so okay. I'll pipe in if I think something. <laughs> uh, we've found it really helpful to have proactive conversations. Um, so usually, it's usually filled with lots of grace. <laughs> it's usually reactive in the moment, like because yeah. uh, you're you know, you're fighting or whatever. And then what we found is we go and we revisit it, and all in like in the morning over coffee, I'll say, "Hey, last week or maybe last night, we had you know I realized something happened. I'm sorry for my role in that. Um, how can we?" handle that better Hmm. and how and here's and trying to really dig down so the first step is really having the emotional kind of intelligence emotional maturity to to ask yourself what am i feeling and why sure what are you feeling and why and let's get back let's get past all the the surfacey stuff let's get down into the true like why and what am i feeling then we can start saying okay how can we be proactive in this area um well and i think it's a function of also remembering in the moment that if you are having like this heated conversation or debate or your things are just starting to feel and go sideways, like stop and wait, like stop. Clearly things are not going the way you're hoping for. You know, like I just feel those statements of, I just feel like you blah, blah, blah. It's very much of a blaming thing. Then you, then the spouse tends to get on the defense and then it's like, well, I'm going to defend myself here and I'm also gonna like be on the offense and show you what I what I just feel like you you know and so we just have this it quickly begins to like unravel right Mm -hmm. and so in those moments we need to just stop and identify like this is a heated conversation it's not going well let's stop or you decide when to stop and usually Mm -hmm. people's feelings get hurt and whatever you know we got to work through that and repent but like you said it's a proactive conversation typically afterwards Uh, okay we're gonna stop this is not productive. Stop. We're going to just have another conversation about this once our emotions have kind of cooled off because yeah. it's not going to go well. As And that's just something personally I've learned, that when we start arguing, we start raising our voices or there starts to be some like attacks in the, I just feel like you do this or whatever, that it's, those are, those are just red flags. Time to stop, time to stop. Things are not going well. We need time to. Well, you can say those things in a productive way and you can say them in a, in a non-productive way. For sure. So this, I I would encourage. Proactive conversations are for, are absolutely the way to go. So I'd encourage listeners to go back and listen to week two. We talked about, um, uh, when you're sinned against, how do you deal with it? Mm, yeah, and this goes across the board. And um, we we looked at Matthew eighteen, Luke seventeen, and came up with these three H's, which I found helpful, and hopefully you do as well. Um, when you're sinned against, you deal it with you, you deal with it with honesty. In other words, you call it what it is; it's sin, and deal with it head on. Mm-hmm. The second H is you deal with it with humility. In other words, you, you don't have this moral um, high ground because we're all saved by the same blood of Christ. So you're humble in that, and that's the that's mm-hmm. how you can not be inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And then with help. Um, in other words, don't just do it by, on your own, um, but get your friends who are advocates for your marriage, yeah. get a, a biblical counselor or a pastor, somebody to walk alongside you um, in dealing with that. So you call it what it is, be humble, and get help as yeah. needed. So good. Um, yeah. All right. So moving on to questions from listeners. Yeah, because these are kind of more sensitive, um, we're, we're not going to use any more names. Um, I feel like, um, yeah, I just don't, I didn't get permission. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to kind of tackle some of the bigger ones. And now we're going to do a lot of referencing back because these are very complex, very pain riddled questions I'm finding. And they're, here we go. Okay. So what do you classify as betrayal? I know infidelity, but any other types? Um, and the, yeah, I wanted this one first because it is foundational for the rest of the questions. Um, a betrayal is just any sort of breach of, so again, we, we mentioned that you, you, when you care about someone and you're in a marriage with them, mm-hmm. with your spouse, you're saying, I'm offering my entire self to you without reservation. I'm going to give you my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole body. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm going to do that um, to the glory of God and for the good of our union. We are two becoming one flesh, mm-hmm. right? That's a, that's a very profound truth. Why does it hurt so much when you, when you feel, when you get betrayed by somebody that you love? The more you love them, the more the betrayal hurts. So I would say any betrayal, the question is what do you classify as betrayal? Infidelity is a given. 
would say anytime you offer vulnerability and of yourself and that vulnerability is mishandled. Um, leads to an injury. Yeah. Or it's mishandled in some way. Okay. So if I bring my feelings to you, you know, and well, and we did reference this, I think in the first episode, uh, 212, mm-hmm. um, there was a, a Gottman, um, article that he yeah. kind of un- helped us understand what, uh, tr- how you can trust like betrayal and trust. And it's not just infidelity, right? It's, it's things like, can I trust you to be there and listen to me when I'm set? Can I trust you to choose me over family like extended family or your friends or can i trust you to work for our family or to not take drugs and um can i trust you to respect me or to help with things around the house or be involved with our children can i trust you to do those things um and if it's consistent uh no wound or no no, then there's yeah there's a betrayal there of that trust and so and gottman would say that that relationship has a very slim possibility of working out right um, because trust is so foundational to a healthy relationship, Absolutely. a healthy friendship, especially a healthy marriage. If you don't have trust, uh, you're going to have a hard time. So the whole point is that there are various ways that we can lose trust. And what happens usually if a couple's experiencing, speaking from our own kind of experience with working with couples, if they are having a hard time with communication, it's probably because there's some, there's dysfunction there, but there's also going to be a, a lost trust in there. Yeah, it's gonna, And rebuilding communication habits is also about uh, simultaneously rebuilding your your trust mm-hmm. around communication. Yeah, your ability to trust. So anyway, I, hopefully that answers the question. It's anytime you are vulnerable and it leads to injury. Yeah. <laughs> that is going to cause. That I would. Cons- you're going to feel betrayed. Yeah, you're going to feel betrayed on some on some level. Um, this next question is also very foundational for the rest of the questions. Um, can you ever trust your wife again? And I'm using one example, but you can go either way. Can you ever trust your wife again after she had an, a, a sexual affair? I want to reword this. I'm going to say, can you ever trust your spouse again after they've betrayed you? And again, the the sexual affair is a form of betrayal, of course. In this case, it's a wife. It could be a husband. The the underlying question is, can you ever trust them again? And I'm going to say with a resounding echo, hopefully, yes. Like in Christ, yes, you can trust them again. Yeah, we've witnessed it. We've witnessed it, and it's a beautiful thing. It's possible. So that, that... glimpse of hope that possibility has to be on the table right now because right. if you're listening to this saying like i can never trust my spouse again you're probably in a very raw place you're that's... probably in a very raw place and i'm gonna and i'd venture to say and this is loving i hope you hear it as loving um you're that's not a biblical stance um the biblical stance says that yes you can you can reconcile you can regain trust mm-hmm. the bible doesn't say it's easy it doesn't say it's just the it's not the wave of a wand and all of a sudden it's all done but the possibilities there Right. And the big question is, how are we trusting God in that situation and in that scenario and then in that journey towards rebuilding trust? Yes. How now, we- as some of these other questions are going to lead to, I, I don't want to say this. Trust and forgiveness. Here's what I want to say. Excuse me. Trust and forgiveness are not the same thing. Now, when we're not talking about them as the same thing, forgiveness is, is something that happens um, relatively quickly by the grace of God. Now, regaining trust and dealing with the fallout of, of the, of the sin of the betrayal that will take much longer. But uh, forgiveness is a choice and it's, it's a choice to say, I'm not going to hold your sin against you anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what forgiveness is. I could say, I'm not going to hold your sin against you anymore. While also, I'm not going to trust you in this area for a long time until we, we we rebuild it. That's why you have to rebuild trust. You don't just re. Right. And as Christians, aren't we called to, as a duty to forgive, which is a uh-huh. hard place to... It's not really optional. And that's a hard thing. It's to hard. That's yeah. a hard pill to swallow. But again, when we press into the person and work of Christ, when we begin to deeply understand the things of God, you know, by his grace and by mm-hmm. his opening our hearts and eyes to his purposes, his greater purposes that we may not see in the moment, but we're trusting that there is a greater purpose for these hard moments... Um, I think that allows us to begin just trusting the process of, of healing and ho- and yeah. to be able to hope for trust in yeah. a marriage that has um, experienced an yeah. affair. Yeah. Um, a lot to be said on forgiveness. We actually have an episode in the past. I forget the number, uh, but we did talk about what, you know, biblical forgiveness looks like, especially mm-hmm. in marriage. 
Um, I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you're if you're wondering the difference between trust and forgiveness. But yeah, forgiveness is not really an optional thing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 um it, yeah, it's a fairly straightforward biblical idea um, for Christians. So um, hopefully that didn't sound too too, too much of a pat answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know this is a really sensitive area for a lot of people. So listener, give us hopefully give us some. Well, grace there are and, yeah. we do have some interviews that we've done too with that yeah. with. Um, couples that have experienced mm-hmm. uh, infidelity. Uh, what was the name of the lady? Tina Conkin. Yes. Um, she, yeah, we mentioned that one last time. And then we have a few where the there's... Teagues. The Teagues, episode 100. 100. Um, yeah. Okay, so here we're getting into kind of the, the meat and potatoes of this <laughs> this conversation. Is how, do, how do we regain trust after a betrayal? That was a very prominent theme. I would say... Of the 200 questions we got, mm. probably a hundred of them were around regaining trust after a, mm. a betrayal, an affair, an yeah. emotional or physical affair. Yeah. Um, um, the second theme was how do I forgive after a betrayal? Okay. And then another theme within that was how long does it take or how long should it take? Mm. Um, so It's so hard to put those timelines on things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think we would do that in this, yeah. in this for sure. context for sure. If you haven't yet, a lot of the questions are clearly from people who saw us post on Instagram, but hadn't listened to the series. So I would say if you're listening to this and you haven't heard episodes 212 through, what is it, 212, 213, 214, and 215, go listen to those, um, this whole trust series. It's going to take you some time, but get through that. That will lay some foundation for this. Yeah, and we were intentional about how we laid it out and the topics, how we approached the topics and in the Mm -hmm. order that we did. Um, because it more wholly answers the questions I think that, um, we're getting. Yeah. So how do you regain trust? It's, I mean, we, we'd have to rehash all four of those episodes to answer that question. So I'm just going to say, go listen to those episodes. Um, the short answer is, um, look to Christ and look to God to be God in the Mm -hmm. situation and get pastors and counselors involved. Trust God. Yeah. Like, Um, don't be afraid to include. Yep mentor couples guide couples that are yeah. that know you both that love you and value christ mm-hmm. uh and the bible yeah yeah um and they're not afraid to tell you the hard things and one of the things we we did talk through was the biblical examples of betrayal mm-hmm. namely jesus and joseph i mean jesus was betrayed by a close brother and somebody who betrayed him with an intimate act of a kiss mm-hmm. and that that if that doesn't give us a picture of how our savior understands what it's like to, to be betrayed and yet to then go to the cross and die for the sins of those very people who betrayed him. Yeah. Um, that, that's a profound reality that if we can wrap our heads and our hearts around it, it will completely transform how we deal with rebuilding, regaining yeah. trust in a marriage. Um, again, those episodes do hash through that. In much you greater said Joseph, detail. are you talking? I'm talking about Joseph, um, and the coat brothers. of many colors. Yeah. Yeah. Old Testament Joseph, like Genesis Joseph, yeah. not Jesus's dad Joseph. Dad Joseph. Um, okay. So uh, what is the boundary between accountability and being a paranoid spouse? <laughs> what are some reasonable boundaries when rebuilding trust? Hmm. The boundaries are hard to define, I think, because it depends on how trust was broken, right? Where the breach happened. Um. So like if it's, again, if it's around pornography, then your boundaries are going to look very different. But if it's around the more subtle things of, I don't feel like I can talk to you because you just, I don't trust you to have a conversation. I just, I can't depend on you for that. You just blow up and blow out. So again, those boundaries are going to look different for rebuilding trust. I think there's some, probably some core, um, stones that you need to get in place so like what is the boundary between accountability and being a paranoid spouse the that's those are kind of roles right so accountability is walking alongside someone and they've given you permission to speak into their life and they've given you permission Mm -hmm. to uh, lovingly rebuke them to walk with them to help them see truth um, not lording it over them and then i think being a paranoid spouse is is really living in a different role of, hmm. of being fearful and, and, and yes, it's okay. I think when you're, when you're in that raw place of things have just yeah. been broken, there's going to be some paranoia. There's going to be some fear. Um, and I think that you would 
and should be able to go to your spouse and tell them these things. I'm, I feel like I'm being paranoid. Like these are the things I'm, I'm struggling with. How can we work these out together? I'm searching your, you know, followers and who you're interacting with. And I'm so paranoid. I want to see your text every day. It's like, okay, well, at some point, maybe in the rawness of everything, that is something that's an exercise you need to go through of like looking at your phones daily and who you've been interacting with Mm. and how, but that is not the trajectory of like, we do this every day. Maybe it is for a certain season and time. Can Um, I, can I jump in? Because I, I just, I want to be really clear Am I not being clear? No, no. <laughs> you are. I just want to make sure that what you're saying, people are, are hearing it in the best way because it's not your job to be, the, like when you say accountability partner, it, if someone, if a husband has sinned against his wife and I say, yes, we need to rebuild trust because I've wronged you, mm-hmm. then I need to take it upon myself to show you and not make you ask. Mm. Okay. Like to yeah. show you, to, and to, to bring it to you. And if you're... If your spouse is saying, oh, you shouldn't want to look at my, my phone. Like, I told you, I'm fine. Don't you trust me? Like, you should just say it to their face. No, I don't because, and that's the first thing. The second thing is that person is manipulating you because they, they should own it. They should own that they broke the trust and it's on them to rebuild it if they want to rebuild right. it. And the person has all the right to ask all the questions. But what will happen is you get, again, picking on husbands, but you get a husband saying like, I told, I told you I was sorry. I told you I unfriended that person. I'm not talking to him and you shouldn't have to ask me or whatever. And you're, you're being, you're policing me. Right. That's manipulative because you should be dealing graciously with your spouse's feelings and Instead, fear you should go and emotions. In, you should be going the extra mile saying, Absolutely. I get it. What you're saying is totally warranted. Now, if you're three years down the line and he hasn't broken the trust again, you you need to start extending some trust toward right. him. Right. If, if he's continually right. showing you that. There's a season, right, of... Right. Potentially, you know, more of a in-depth, you know, search of things. But there's also then this, okay, I'm I'm trusting you and I'm mm. giving you this freedom because the choices you've made have shown me that you are now worthy of my trust and you're, mm-hmm. you've earned back some of that trust that was broken and I'm giving it to you. Trusting, right? Trusting. You start to get a strong sense of why trust is just so vital. Right. Like without it, it feels like your your relationship doesn't have solid ground. Right. But that's why it's worth rebuilding. I'll revisit. revisit excuse me. I'll revisit this analogy <laughs> of building a bridge. You go about building the bridge, so the the trust is broken. The bridge is is torn down. It, it falls down. You know you need to rebuild that bridge. You're rebuilding the bridge, going through the motions of of rebuilding it, but mm-hmm. not putting your weight in it yet. Yeah. That's because you're trusting that if you build the bridge correctly, at some point you'll be able to put your weight in it. That's mm-hmm. why the gospel is so huge in this. Because yeah. you have a way of reconciling that is biblical. You have a way of, of repenting and rebuking that is biblical. And you have a way of hoping all things mm-hmm. and wanting Christ to move in that relationship. That is biblical. But you may not be at a place where you can put your weight on the bridge yet. And it might not be time because the bridge isn't done. But if you're building it using good bridge building principles, biblical principles, at some point, you need to put your weight on what God's word says, mm-hmm. trusting that he is actually working in your spouse's life. And some of that's easier said than done. It does take time. So, um, but because of this format, it's, tar- it's hard to go into the nitty gritty. Yeah. But all right. So is it okay? This is the next question for a spouse to follow an ex on social media. Why? No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. It's not okay. I'm going to say that. Um, the, the why was me asking. This oh, question. so is it okay for a spouse to follow their ex on social media? My first question is, why would they want to do, do that? Do you follow any of your exes? <laughs> I follow my first wife. <laughs> your ex girlfriend? You actually do. <laughs> I do follow my ex girlfriend. It's me. Everyone, Selena's both of those things. So before you before you write in, your Selena's both my first wife and my ex girlfriend. <laughs> Okay, not to... Guys, if you ever want to just derail a a conversation, (laughs) introduce your your wife as your first wife. (laughs) Or or as your ex-girlfriend in a live setting. Yeah. Have you met my ex-girlfriend? Yeah, this is Selena. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) This is weird. Um, Um, No, there's there's really just no reason to... Why would you care about them in that way? That was well, very- an ex sorry, <laughs> ex girlfriends. Okay, we're talking like for us, it was like high school, junior high, right? Like that you have, you follow one. I'll I put think. it this way: I don't. I wouldn't say why follow. would you care about them. I'm just saying, <laughs> I can't find a good reason to follow them on social media. I can't but find do you a compelling reason. One? No, 
Are you sure? Not that I know of. They follow you. I think there's two. One. Well, you can go check anytime you want. <laughs> you have my login information and feel free to feel free to snoop regulate. around. Just snoop around. Just uninvite them. Anyways, yeah. It's a good question. How would you do that? How what? would you uninvite them on like on Facebook? Would you write them a them. message and say, You're uninvited? No, I'd, un- <laughs> I'd unfriend them. You unfriend. It's unfriend. Oh, okay. You said anyway. uninvite. So wow. I, okay, quick answer. No, don't follow us X, and that's just going to be our pat answer to that. I yeah. can't think of a good reason to do it. I, I honestly, yeah. Next <sighs> question. How to trust after continually lying about pornography addiction, addiction and use. So how do you trust uh, your spouse after they've continually lied about mm. porn uh, and addiction and their use? Uh, well, it's really difficult. I'm going to say that. Um, that's really hard, yeah. I... Um, a hard thing. I would treat it like a drug addiction because it is one. I mean, there's a whole nonprofit called fight the new drug and it talks about like how, um, pornography is basically the, it, it fires all the same like brain patterns that mm-hmm. like cocaine fires and it has addictive qualities that are very similar to any drug and even more so. So I would treat it like a drug addiction. Um, it's it. And I, I, I'm going to say this, I don't mean it to be too much of a blanket statement. A husband's pornography use is not about the wife. Does that make sense? It's not because the wife is causing it. Sure. It has a lot to do with the wife, but a husband seeking out pornography is, has, it says more about the husband than it says about the wife. Does that make sense? Sure. And so it's hard for a wife to hear that probably though, because they, Oh, uh, we, we, for, I would, I blamed myself. Like when you, like, was I not enough? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, no. And I'm like, but how does this equate? Like, That's why I'm trying to say to it. I'm the, trying to say yeah. it as a, as a, as an, an unencouragement, but yeah. as a relief to say, like, if you treat it like a drug addiction, is it, it's about the it's fix. About the drug it's about the substance. The it's about the addiction. User and it's not a, yes. the people on the outside. Yeah. And I'm kind of going off the cuff here, so I don't. Again, I wouldn't. I haven't done the full research into that. I would treat it like a drug addiction in that if if there's a continual uh, returning and a lying to this addictive behavior, then a there needs to be full repentance. If that person doesn't want to take ownership and change, then it's it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, just short of like t- you know some intervention, like some harsh, yeah, drastic intervention. Um, so that would but, yeah, I would say that would. How do you regain trust after that? I would say you definitely have to bring someone else in, right? I mean, if he's lying about it, and he, or she, if they're lying about it and they're not saying, "Yeah, I lied and I want to change," and they're not taking steps, like I don't see you, I don't see that as a possibility of rebuilding trust. Right. Yeah, until they come to the table. So um, now, once they do say, "Yeah, you're right. I have sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I have betrayed you in our marriage, mm-hmm. and I'm addicted to pornography, and I need." help out okay now you've got something to work with yeah and here's here are the mechanisms i'm going to put in place so that i can't lie to you not right. only will i do my best and promise not to lie to you but this way i actually can't lie to you because the checks and balances are in place mm. get help in that um but that's that those are some quick thoughts um so someone wrote in this what they said forgive and forget the forgetting part it's truly not happening for me what do i do so they're saying that they've forgiven but they can't forget and here's how I would respond to that is forgiveness is biblical forgetting. Not so much, right? We don't just forget when someone sinned against us. I'll use the Joseph example in, in Genesis. Okay. We forgive. I have an answer to him. Okay. Go ahead. We forgive. And he, he, he certainly didn't forget, but he did forgive them. And he, and he actually used it to teach them some pretty profound lessons. That's what I was going to say. I think there's an, a part of us that needs, that God is asking us to not forget, right? Like when we've been betrayed or, trust has been broken. Um, my prayer has always been, God help me to look back at that brokenness and that breach of trust. And may it be a testimony of your glory and your goodness, not, and yes, do the struggles still come up of, you know, I felt betrayed in this moment or I felt broken and I don't know if I can, I still kind of like, you know, I'm triggered by some things or whatever. Yes, like we're human, we're broken, things are going to come and they're going to bring those feelings back and we're going to have to wrestle with them again. But again, going to Jesus, going to God saying, God, I've given this to you. This is a point of glory. This is an opportunity for me to um, just let let myself die, like let those things die. 
at the cross. That's where they've been put. And God, you have given me, you've given us victory in this. And this is, again, it's shifting our eyes to not just learning how to forget, but to look back with uh, gratefulness to God, Hmm. glory to God, dying to our own selves and the own, you know, the brokenness that we may have experienced and saying that that could have ruined us, but God has given us victory and God has given to him be the glory. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm I'm hearing kind of a, maybe someone thinking or retorting back is that, you know, God forgives, forgets our sins. So we should try to forget the sins of those against us. And I would say, I don't really think that's the case. The Bible says, as far as the East is from the West, so he's removed our transgressions from us. That's huge. I think that's, it's yeah, in Psalms. say, I will remember that. He, he says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Do you, I mean, here's the thing. Hebrews 8. It's, uh, that's Hebrews 8, 12. That's not saying that he just like is now like, wait, what? He's like, wait, what happened? Right. <laughs> no, it's like, that's, 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 he's, he's using, it's, it's poetic and he's saying it's as if I, I will remember them no more. It's as if they've never sinned. Yeah. And that's, well, that, that's, I don't think that, that's what that passage is saying. No. <laughs> Although I think that's, Reel that back. <laughs> that's how, that's how grace works. Right. That's how propitiation works. But that passage is, is more saying I will be merciful toward their iniquities I will remember their sins no more. I won't treat them as if they have sinned. Yeah, I won't hold it against you. Yeah. In other words, I'll forgive you. That's not saying God is forgetful. Because I don't think we're going to get to heaven. I don't think we're going to be talking about our own sins in heaven. We're going to be, we're going to be enamored with the glory of God. Yes. <laughs> but I just don't think that, yeah, I think that's a mischaracterization of, of what that verse is trying to say. Um, and so I don't think there's a biblical call for us to be forgetful. I just don't think you need forgetful. to subscribe to forgive and forget, honestly. Yeah, I think that's a, yeah, that's a worldly idea. <laughs> stupid idea. Sorry. <laughs> you're just so salty sorry, today. I'm sorry. We're going to get you some lunch here. Well, because people <laughs> have told me that forgive and forget, and I'm like, no, <laughs> sounds made up and dumb. It just sounds It's nice. not in the Bible, so. All right. Just a little black right. and white here. So, moving on to the next question. Salty and sweet. Oh, what a treat. <laughs> in a special this, sauce. You love this treat. I'm just saucy today. Mm, you're a treat, girl. Okay. <laughs> you pick the next one, because I feel like I don't. I don't know. I don't know which ones you want to go through. Yeah, we're going to probably wrap it up here pretty quick. Uh, we're going to change the topic just a little bit. We've talked a lot about infidelity and pornography and stuff like that. Um, so, Oh, I see some other good questions. I, oh, before we do that, this one's really kind of low-hanging fruit. How do I trust my spouse again when he works with the other woman and can't leave his job? What? I'm guessing that there, it's an office situation. He had, he had an affair with a coworker, and the affair is over, but their jobs remain. Um Here's my here's my uh, exhortation to that that husband. If he's listening, if that's you or in your similar situation, I would say uh, there's. I don't buy that idea that you can't leave your job. Yeah, same. I don't buy it, um, and I and I would encourage you to strongly press into that. You can leave your job idea. <laughs> Figure out something else. Yeah, I. And it might sound radical. It might sound whatever. Like we're overreacting, but I'm saying, like, look at, look at again. We go back to Joseph and or, Potiphar's wife. Yeah, he ran. Look at any of the first like six, six proverbs, like one through seven. Anytime there's the adulteress or somebody who's be, being led astray, like there is two reactions: either you're led astray or you flee, or you flee. Yeah. You avoid like the plague. That's just called building trust with your spouse again. And it's called wisdom. Yeah. So um, that, that's why I said low-hanging fruit. Like I just don't buy the premise that you can't leave your job. You, yeah, yeah you, it might cost you a lot to make that change. In other words, you might have to change your lifestyle. You might have to uh, go on the job move hunt. Move somewhere else. Move somewhere else. It might cost you a lot. Well, you know what? That decision costs a lot. The other woman. Is she, that that affair. Than you thought, that, that decision was already made. Yeah. So... Sorry, we're being really kind of terse, but um, I think sometimes you need a terse answer because people like to dance around this stuff, and we're just saying like that There's decision some... was made and that cost was already claimed. Yeah, you need to just pay the price now yeah. for 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 the sin and the brokenness if you want to see healing. Now, if the healing is not important, then you can stick around because the job's clearly more important. Yeah, I wouldn't trust so. my spouse again. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That Grace premise is weird. That premise is weird. Like you said, I'm like I don't even buy the premise like that. But I get it. When you're in, mm. the, when you're in, that's a there's hard things to navigate. So I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I I need to extend grace in the situation and not be so terse. I just my heart breaks for the person that believes that this is actually something they need to consider. Well, because it, it, it's so many. 
Okay, you guys, you're getting kind of the raw Brian no, and Selena maybe here. We should just move on. It's getting a little because that feels like manipulation. Because what if you are always using like, well, I can't quit because then I can't provide for our yeah, family. Don't you want constant. our life? To, don't you want our family to be provided for? It's like okay. Yes, I want our family to be provided for. But more than that, I want our marriage to work, and I want to be in a covenant that honors God. Okay, I agree with that, but I'm saying that that premise of you, if you make me quit, then you're making our family like basically subject yeah. to financial ruin. That is a manipulative tactic. Yeah. When you, it's not her fault. It's not their fault that this dynamic exists. Mm. So, like, own it. Like, do the hard thing. Don't just do the easy, do the hard thing, do the right thing. Put, press through to it and trust the whole way that God will be faithful in that. Mm. Now, does the Bible say that if you work with somebody that you had an affair with, that you have to quit your job? The Bible doesn't say that. However, like directly, it doesn't say that. But wisdom, I think, says that. Mm. Okay. And love, I think, says that. Honoring your spouse, honoring your covenant, keeping your marriage bed pure. Anytime Israel went off the rails is because the Bible uses this language. They were whoring around with other gods. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how did God respond to that? Scorched earth, ladies and gentlemen. Scorched earth. So, I mean, read the Old Testament. And it is brutal because God's holiness is real and truth is real and justice is real and wrath is real. But you know what? Because of the gospel, mercy is also real Mm. and grace is also real you just have to be faith-filled enough to rely on the mercy and the grace of God and, to make, and let go of it yep. and run from the sin. Run from... Make those hard sorry. changes. Sorry. We're getting low. Leave the job. Do the hard thing. Okay. I said it was low-hanging fruit, and maybe it wasn't low-hanging fruit. Maybe it was just big, ripe. <laughs> and I climbed up the tree, and I just knocked it off the branches. <laughs> okay. Oh, I need to laugh a little bit. Okay, so... Here are here's some ones that have to do with like in law dynamics. Uh, it says, uh, uh, "How do you oh, let's see? Do children with divorced parents? This is a different issue. Sorry. Um, how do I trust others with my kids? In laws, I want normal. They want normal access to the grandkids, etc. This has this is outside of the scope of of marriage. Um, but I would say that you just have to kind of be really clear about boundaries. So we go back to the boundaries episode on in-laws mm. and listen to that one. Um, that was, I think, yeah, episode you have to 210. S- it's okay to be clear and direct and you can set boundaries and you can also set um, ways they can build trust. And I think people will appreciate directness mm. and clarity and you can be kind about how you do it. And don't be afraid. These are things I'm learning Mm. right now in the moment so real time people real yeah. time okay um we'll end with this one okay uh, do children with divorced parents have more trust issues i think this is relevant because a lot of couples come from it, it, one of you is going to most likely one of you is going to come from a divorced home or some sort of blended family situation i did yeah selena did for us if you do the logic grids it's about 75 percent of couples are going to have at least one spouse who came from right a family like this so there will be trust issues. Um, in some ways, I think we've had to build really intentionally. Yeah, I think you have trust issues around um, emotional closeness and physical closeness. Yeah, because you lacked um, a positive male example in your life. Yeah, and so we've had to be really intentional on that. And we're seventeen years in, and we're still like we're still just slaying that dragon. Yeah, and but I'm really but to God be glory, God right? For, like he, yeah. I, I should be in such a different place. Uh, according to statistics, numbers, all mm. the studies that have been done over the last 20 or 30 years of these children of divorced homes. Yeah. Um, yeah, God has been so merciful and gracious and just glorious in all of the brokenness. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know if they have more trust issues because we all have different types of issues that so we deal variables. with in terms yeah. of trust. So. Um, I think they're probably more similar trust issues. Uh, hmm. The children with divorced parents will, well said. Yeah. will have a lot of the same trust issues, maybe around like what you said, emotional and physical intimacy. So there's two kind of aspects of that question. Just quickly, there's the dynamic it has on on you as a couple, but it's also to me that's encouraging to say like your 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 marriage is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. If you can give your kids the gift of an intact home, mm-hmm. um, they're gonna. Hopefully, now you're not God. Not just living together, but actually engaging together, and not just being roommates. You're saying, yeah. but being like a marriage, yeah. a marriage that is actually one flesh that is on mission. Mm-hmm. 
um, you're going to give your kids a, a really a blessing that I don't think you'll realize or they'll realize on this side of glory. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's something really special there. Okay, so we've spoken boldly. We've answered some questions. I'll say we've addressed some questions. <laughs> um, most of, if you're listening to this thinking, man, I feel like there's so many gaps. Go back, if you haven't yet, listen to the last four weeks mm-hmm. of podcast episodes starting at 2.12. And um, I, I hope that you'll find um, direction and peace and the hope that you're looking for in just looking through scripture and, and trusting God. Marriage truly is a gift. Trust is a gift. And it needs to be stewarded and cared for and built and repaired and maintained. And if we do that, if we do that, if we do hard things hmm. in the name of trust building, in the name of honoring God with our relationship, I'm, I'm confident that your marriage will be better for it. You will feel more joy, more peace. And um, I can't, God is still sovereign. He's going to give you those things as he sees fit. Um, we're just here to encourage you in those things. So let's pray for, let's pray and uh, we'll call it, we'll get, get you some food. <laughs> it's getting salty over here. Yeah, you go ahead and pray. Then. Okay, our uh, Father, thank you so much for um, your word. I pray that you would take um, our efforts and somehow bend them to your glory, Lord. I pray that you would take our efforts here in this podcast, but also our efforts as a married couple. Um, the the efforts of the couples listening to this, the wives listening to this, the husbands listening to this. If they feel mm. they're despairing, they're they're feeling like they've they're staring up a path up a huge mountain and wondering how am I ever going to get over this thing? I pray that you would give them Lord. I pray that you give them peace, give them hope mm-hmm. in this journey, give them the endurance to walk it out. I pray that you would give their spouse uh, hope, peace, endurance and conviction uh, to share with them that they would walk it out in unity. Lord, you are the God of redemption, the God of reconciliation, our powerful miracle working God. And we ask you to work miracles in the lives of every couple listening to this, every single every single wife and husband listening to this, work your miracles, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this episode of the Fierce Marriage Podcast is... In the can. We'll see you again in a few days. Until then. Stay fierce and salty. <laughs>